The DualSense controller drifts just about as well as Codemasters did into EA's umbrella, and it's only been a week, but Six Days in Fallujah's already has a lot of controversy about it. Let's, let's talk about it. Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to episode 10 of NitPixels, brought to you by the Making Fun Podcast. I am your host, Raven Miller, and alongside me is the man with the plan, my man in a chair, Mr. Casey Johnson. Casey, how are you doing today, man? You know, Raven, I know that we generally end the episode by talking about something non-gaming related, but I'm, I'm going to start with that because, oh boy, have I had an interesting 48 hours. Sure, absolutely. So, yesterday, um, before I woke up, Nia, my my lovely girlfriend, was planning on heading to Bloomington um, to see her brother and spend a little time with him. She leaves, and then the next thing you know, she comes back. She's like, I can't get out uh, Mm -hmm. of... Tuesday sucks, the, yeah. Yeah. So, I sleep about another hour. She falls back asleep. And we, when I get up, I'm like, I'm going to, this is going to get me some brownie points. I can't wait. So, mm-hmm. I, I tell her, I'm like, all right, you just stay here. I'm going to bundle up and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to shovel you free. Because the, the issue was we had everything shoveled free, but then the the trucks came by and created this ridge over which she couldn't get over. So I'm like, I'll go take care of it. Mm-hmm. So I go out there and, um, you know, two pairs of pants, a couple of shirts, a coat, um... A mask, which, by the way, thank God we're in a pandemic because I have face masks now and they protect me from the cold. <laughs> it's so nice being able to walk around and be like, I usually, whenever I shave, I recently shaved, uh, trimmed my beard, I should say. And it's just like, I was like, I'm not, dr- I'm not looking forward to going outside. And I put on my mask and I walked outside. I was like, you know, it's actually, it's like a scarf, but just, yeah, just it's like not bad. On my face, it's great. Not bad so, at all. I go out there and I start shoveling and the first thing that I notice is that the shovel is broken. Um, <laughs> it's one of those, it's, you know, it's a plastic shovel. My grandma probably got it from Dollar General like 30 years ago. Like, right. it's got this huge crack down the center. It has no structural integrity whatsoever. And the funny thing is, if you look at where the crack is, you wouldn't figure it would affect it as much of it as it does. But guess what? It does. So... I'm I have already let Jimbe out the back door because if I was going out he was going out and I'm like okay in the backyard I know that there are several shovels so I'm going to go back to the backyard the only issue is I can't get through the gate because the snow is deep but like it's not going to budge so I go upstairs and I go out onto my back porch and I start slowly and carefully walking down the back steps. And like the second step, I'm thinking to myself, like, 
I need to be really careful um, because there's a lot of snow and ice on these steps and they are treacherous. So anyway, on the third step, <laughs> I twist my knee and I go a tumble. Oh, God. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Um, it, you know how you lost the footing, knee went sideways, and honestly, thank God that I spent a few years in the professional wrestling industry and I know how to protect myself when I fall. Right. Yeah, yeah. But with that that's... being said, I did fall down a flight of stairs. Yeah, that's never that's never a fun pastime to do. You're not just like, oh, today's the day I want to fall down a flight of stairs. And, you know, there there's a lot of layers to this, and thankfully there were a lot of layers to my clothing. I was pretty padded up, which actually ended up being good in the end. So I arrive um, heroically on my face at the bottom of the stairs in just this giant pile of snow, covered in snow. Um, Jimbe, I love, he's my special little man, um, but he is one of the stupidest dogs I've ever met in my life, and he's just happy to see me. Yeah, of course he's, he is. So he just I, watched you do a cool trick. I finally pull myself up to a sitting position, and I'm laying there in some of the worst pain I've ever been in in my life, and he thinks, Dad needs a hug. Yeah, he did. That's exactly so he what jumps he on top of me, and I got mad and threw snow at him, <laughs> which he loved. And then I was like, oh, he's stupid, but he's so cute when he plays in the snow. So I somehow pulled myself back to my feet and threw snow at him for a few minutes while he danced <laughs> around. So... I have a completely different set of issues now, although a very similar uh -huh. set of issues. I need to go sure. back up the stairs. Only way. Only way back in the house. So I get about three quarters of the way up the stairs. And I slip. Fall on my face this time. And just Ugh. slide back down hitting my head on every step. Oh, God, ouch. I finally get back inside. And so only two falls? Yeah, only two falls, thankfully. And as I get back inside, I'm like limping, stumbling my way back to the uh, basement. Not the, not the basement, my bedroom. Um, if, if, th if this was the basement, I wouldn't be having this issue, but I, I get to my bedroom and I open the door and Nia's like, hello. And I just like stumble to the bed and fall in and she goes, so how did that go? I said, as badly as it possibly could have. You fell down a flight, the same flight of stairs twice and you didn't even get the ice, the snow shoveled out of the way. Did, did Well, yeah, when I landed at the bottom, I looked up at the shovels, and I was like, nope. No. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, it's kind of like being out of the military, and then, like, you have to still eat the, uh, the freeze-dried meals 
where like no i put in my time yeah i i i have done my part i am i am not doing it again goodbye yeah so i there is no portion of my body that does not hurt mhm but i'm here mhm i yeah that's I God, the worst it got for me is that on Tuesdays, whenever the polar vortex rolled through and it was getting pretty bad for us, uh, we were, I was in the office just working and, and we were all like, yeah, if it gets really bad by like lunch, we should all just leave. And then my manager's like, okay, cool. We'll play like that. And we get two o'clock rolls around. He's like, yeah, I've gotten home. Cause he had to go do some stuff. And then he ended up being home. And he's like, how are you guys out of the office yet? We're like, no, we're just hanging out here. Like we didn't think it had gotten that bad. He's like, you guys need to leave like an hour ago. And so I'm driving my way home, hit a ramp that I usually hit um, and usually clear in about 10 seconds. It took me 20 minutes to go up this time. And it was just Tuesday was not a good day. I woke up this morning and saw there was more snow on the ground. and was terrified uh, because I was like, my car is apparently not meant to go up hills in the snow. Yeah. Um, so I get to get a schedule that. But thankfully, I didn't fall um, for better or for worse. Um, all right. But with all of that being said, this is a video game news podcast. Each week, uh, we go into what is currently happening in the gaming world. Um, this week, there's a couple of interesting things, but overall, not a lot of really big news happened. Actually, that's a lie. One really big thing of news happened. There was a Nintendo Direct this past week. However, we are going to be talking about that this Friday on the Making Fun podcast. We We post two podcasts every week for you guys, so... With all that being said, let's get into the non-Nintendo news for this week. Uh, first up, we have an article on IGN by Joe Scrabbles, um, based, uh, titled PS5 DualSense Controller Drift, Class Action Lawsuit Filed Against Sony. Uh, for those of you who don't know what joy, or what like controller drift is, it's basically where if your stick is in a neutral position, it just starts sliding one way or another, not really knowing which way it's going, all of that stuff um now it's it's important to note not physically yes that is correct sorry so so there's like this there's a the way the controllers work is that the stick that you have is is sitting basically on like a little pivot more or less um for joy cons it's a little bit or for the joy cons which is what we've seen this in a lot uh, it's a little bit different, but more or less, there is a connection where there is a stick that the that you what you are controlling is the cap basically on top of a stick that pivots it. The problem is is that the way these are manufactured is that dirt and like dead skin and stuff can get underneath that cap and hit the connection and get it lodged so that the connection can't completely go back to neutral. Um, this has been a huge ongoing controversy with the Switch Joy Cons. Um, that we've seen Nintendo to saying, okay, if your Joy-Con is affected by this, we are let us know it is covered under a lifetime warranty to just get it replaced. I've had to replace two joysticks personally because I own a set of custom Joy-Cons that Emily got for me a couple of years ago as an anniversary present, and I've replaced the left joystick in it twice. Um, I'm on my third one now, and I'm not looking forward to having to replace. Got you a headache is what she got. Uh, I mean, it's it. They're great. They're a color changing Luigi's Mansion themed, so it's like they're like a dark gray, and then as they get warm, they uh, turn translucent. It's really cool. One of my favorite things I own. Uh, with that being said, we're seeing a lot of the same things happening in the um, Dual Sense here. Um, 
The complaint describes the PS5 DualSense controller as defective as it contains, quote, a, de a defect that results in characters or gameplay moving on screen without further user command or manual operation of the joystick. Uh, which is what I mentioned earlier. When consumers experience the drift defect, the options for repair are slim. Reportedly, Sony's PlayStation, uh, Sony PlayStation's dedicated portal for issues with PS5 hardware, including the DualSense controller, is experiencing a backlog in redirecting consu uh, consumers to contact a customer service agent via the contact page for PlayStation support. Customers are experiencing long wait times and have and having to deal with a maze of pre-recorded phone prompts before finally speaking with an agent concerning repairs for DualSense controller drift. So long story short, this is happening, and they're not really doing anything about it right now. Probably because it's only a couple months after the release, but apparently the part of this class action lawsuit this individual is filing is stating that the mechanism and the creation of the Pro Shock, the dual the dual shock force controller has the same internal mechanism for the joystick so there were issues with the joystick on the ps4 controllers that would then be replicated here mm. my 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 caveat there is that i owned two ps4 controllers and never had an issue with joy or with a stick drift on either of them over the eight years that i had those controllers that being said, I also haven't experienced it myself with the DualSense yet. And I haven't really... I don't know that many people with a PlayStation. In fact, I know one. Casey, have you experienced any joystick drift yet on your... I have not. DualSense controller? Okay. So I'm... I'm a, This is like a one in three chance so far. Um, obviously, it's a super scientific metric. But yeah. What, I'll, what I imagine is... And the, the main thing here of note is that Nintendo had gotten their... Their, their suit dropped by arbitration, which there's a whole bunch of lawyer speak that goes on in this article that I'm not going to get into. Um, but it looks like the way that this class action lawsuit is getting proposed is that they're not going to be able to, Sony's not going to be able to just let this be dropped. They are going to have to go through the rigmarole and actually go through a jury and all that fun stuff. Um, which, I mean, at the end of the day, if it makes a better controller, it makes a better controller. I haven't experienced the issue yet, but apparently there's at least one person in the world who is. So as, if, as, long, as, as long as people are able to get their issues resolved, that is the best thing possible. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, it's important to note here that this is one situation where all parties involved are in an extremely sucky situation because, like... It sucks to have stick drift. However, with that being said, like, Sony already can't make enough to keep up with demand anyway. And, like, it's new hardware. It's the first run of new hardware. Stuff like this is going to happen. It, yeah. I think the one thing that, if anything, Sony improves one thing out of this, it is you need to make... A solution more accessible like I understand if it's gonna be a few weeks before I get my dual sense but it's talking about going through a maze of phone calls and not being able to get to people that's the part yep. that in my estimation they need to fix set up yep. some sort of sure a dedicated hotline for that issue yep a dedicated email for that issue and I think that will go a long way toward just making people feel better about this. I, I'm a communication mm -hmm. major. I'm a communication scholar. It really is that one thing that you do for somebody, that one yeah. way that you make it easier on them that makes a huge difference in the end. So Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and for 
another thing I didn't mention is that they went through the maze of phone calls and they got a technician who basically just told them to uh, restart their console, which since it's a hardware issue, won't resolve the issue. Um, so we're definitely with a class action lawsuit. That's like the main way to get corporations to actually change their policies. So at the very least, like you said, the maze of phone calls is going to come to an end and we'll actually be able to resolve the issues accordingly. Okay. Next up on the list, article on Kotaku by Ari Nottis. Um, Marvel's Avengers receives Hawkeye next-gen versions on March 18th. Uh, so for this game by Crystal Dynamics that I have heard nobody talking about since its launch, um, Hawkeye is coming out this uh, March alongside the PS5 and Xbox Series versions. Um, he's going to usher in the future imperfect operation and has tri- time travel involved. So I am not interested. Um, I despise time travel as a mechanic in anything. Well, in some games it's okay, but like just as like a, a I, I went into this whenever I just complained about Endgame for five minutes a couple weeks ago, uh, but I just don't like it as a storytelling mechanic. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically it. They've already had one other character been added since launch, apparently that I hadn't heard about. Also Hawkeye. Um, yes. <laughs> But they added uh, Kate Bishop, and then they were planning on adding... uh, They had teased Black Panther next, but with the unfortunate passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman late last year, they are probably going to steer away from that for a little bit. So I hadn't even heard that they had released... like, Like I mentioned previously, I hadn't even heard that they had released Kate Bishop. And I had thought that Spider Man was going to be a character they released at launch, but it's only going to come later. Um, And I've also heard that this game just hasn't been doing well there's not it's definitely a multiplayer game designed as a single player game um but yeah i just i haven't heard anything i've heard nobody talking about this game have you been playing this game at all since they added kate bishop will you be playing it after they add hawkeye see here's the funny thing about that is because hawkeye i don't really care about hawkeye and specifically um their model of Hawkeye um, appears to mm-hmm. look like every main character in every shooter that has ever existed. Also, Cole McGrath from Infamous. Yeah, I, he's. <laughs> I, I don't know why they went in this generic white direction. Dude. Um, also, shout out to the first line of uh, this article: "The Avengers can't stop assembling." Love that. Um, but number one, I think it's important to note that the game is a bigger deal than, um, you make it out to be. Um, and then I make it out to be, we're both like, we looked at those numbers not too long ago and it is still selling tremendously well through the holiday season because Mm -hmm. you go to the store and you see the Avengers game, most people don't follow gaming news like we do. And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people, actually a pretty large community, that are still playing it and enjoying it despite its flaws. So when stuff like this comes out, it is still important to that audience. And I think if they do one thing right, if Crystal does one thing right, good on you, for continuing to deliver on your promise. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't care about Hawkeye. I don't care about any of that. The next gen version, I think to myself, do I? 
mm-hmm. because the game did have incredibly addictive combat for me. Mm-hmm. I loved being um, Thor. I loved being Iron Man. So do I? Probably not, but it makes me think yeah. about it. Like if if they right. come back in with like Hawkeye's not going to be the one that moves the needle for me. I would imagine their big um, summer piece is going to be either like a Spider Man, a Doctor Strange, a something mm. like that, maybe even a Black Panther if they get that figured out to the degree that they want to have it figured yeah. out, like. Those would be the characters that make me jump back in and be like, all right, let's go. Yeah, I could even see them adding, like, Vision at this point with WandaVision and how it's mm-hmm. been currently going on. Um, I think that could be interesting and definitely get back some hype. Um, Falcon yeah, would I just, be a lot of fun in-game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So there's a lot of different things that could be added, so we'll just have to wait and see kind of what they do. Um, I'm still hesitant on getting... I still don't own this game. I'll have to wait and hear kind of after they add some things and polish some systems and fix some bugs and whatnot, how well it's gone. But speaking of things that haven't aged well, um, which we weren't really talking about, but whatever um, article on Kotaku by Nathan Grayson and Ethan Gack um, stadia leadership praised development studios for great progress. Just one week before laying them all <laughs> off. So we talked previously last week about how, or maybe, maybe it was the week before. I don't know. All these weeks are blending together in my brain. Um, long story short, Stadia has had been working on exclusive games for their for their platform. AAA releases had 150 developers in-house working on this and had um, told them on the 27th of January, hey, uh, you guys are doing great. You guys are making great work. We're going to work it through. Uh, we're going through this group and then we should get more funding approved and whatnot. And then a week later on the first, uh, around a week later on the first, he sent another email basically saying, hey, effective immediately, you've all are no longer, this, this, this project is no longer happening, period. And this led to a Q&A that he had on the fourth with all of the in-house uh, developers. And one of the questions that was asked to him was, oh, here, I have it highlighted actually. Ooh, um, look at you. Fancy. Um, apparently, I didn't have it. Oh, apparently, I didn't highlight it. Oh, the highlighter giveth uh, and the highlighter taketh away. Highlighter taketh away, yeah. Oh, but basically, somebody had asked him, like, uh, if he... Um, <sighs> sorry, hang on a second. It's okay, buddy. You got this. Um, I, I thought I had this. I believe in you. Yeah. Long story short, they had, um, they knew that they were going to be closing down the studios bef- whenever he had sent the initial email. There, It's linked somewhere here in the article, but I guess my highlighter just taketh away, as you had previously mentioned. Um, one source described the Q&A as an ultimately unsuccessful attempt at extracting some kind of accountability from Stadia management. Further on, it later says that it added that the Q&A quote, wasn't pretty, which good on the devs. They should be able to rip and tear into these people. They're like, yeah, you told us we were doing great and then promptly fired all of us in the midst of a pandemic. That being said, Google and Alphabet at large are trying to find places for these developers. The main issue with that being that 
from what I'm reading in the article, Google tends to try and hire more generalist people in the tech industry and game designers and game developers are very hyper focused in their specialties. So it's a little bit harder yeah, to find a team for and them. And not only that, but like let's even say that Google gives them a recommendation and like a you know, uh, we Google personally recommends that yeah, they, they did a great job and you should hire them. Uh, nobody's hiring right now. Right. In, in that industry. No. So it, it's going to be very, very rough for people to, to land on their feet. Now, with that being said, a lot of these... Um, a lot of the coders and a lot of the designers do have, and this would be the goal, they have skill sets that you can extrapolate what they do and then find that you slot them in beautifully somewhere um, mm-hmm. as, during a different, like, if somebody is doing, uh, and obviously this is apples and oranges, but... If you, for instance, are a game developer and you visualize, uh, you specialize in the making the animations of the characters just right, well, Mm -hmm. you can probably be ported over fairly easily and start doing either visual effects on video projects or whatever the case may be and have some variable success with that, at least until you find another job. So right. that is good. Um, with that being said, you and for the record, I don't think that Phil Harrison is that good of a leader. Um, but I also don't think that this had anything to do with him. And I think he's probably mm-hmm. just falling directly on the sword, which is the noble and good thing yeah. to do. But, yeah. you know, he's being told what to do and he's doing it. I I, there is one part of this article that's been gaining some interest and people have been taking it a lot of different ways. Um, so here's what it says. In his Thursday Q&A with staff, he pointed specifically to Microsoft's buying spree and planned acquisition of Bethesda software later this year as one of the factors that had made Google decide to close the book on original game development. So... A lot of people are taking this two different ways, and I think one of them is slightly more likely than the other one, but for the most part, it could be equally likely. Either A, Mm -hmm. they're looking at Microsoft and they're like, oh, oh, God, because Google is a bigger company than Microsoft, but not by much. And Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, God, they're they're doing that? Oh, yeah, Yeah. we're not going to be able to compete with them. Either that or somebody, some old white dude in a boardroom uh, was like, wait, hold on. We can just buy them. Yeah. They're they're like, why are we spending this money whenever we can buy games that already have the licensing? (laughs) Yeah. Let's just buy some. (sighs) I really hope they don't get any of of the games that I like because I really don't want to subscribe to Stadia. Um, which I, during, before the recording, discovered that Stadia is something that you have to 
subscribe to and then still purchase the games. I thought it was like, isn't Amazon's that you just subscribe to the platforms, like to the channels that you want and you get the games that are included there? Like that seems like a better business model for cloud streaming to me. Uh, yeah, it's, you know. Granted, you get less games, but you have to, and you have to subscribe to each individual one. It's, it's weird how it works because the reason that you learned this is because I'm now a Stadia subscriber uh, because yeah. I'm trying to do some research for a video that I'm going to be working on coming up. But yeah, like it's worth noting that a you get like a lot of free games every month. And mm-hmm. some of those games are fairly significant. For instance, um, Little Nightmares 2 that came out last week, free yep. for Stadia Pro members. Oh, okay. Um, and cool. like, there's actually uh, quite a bit of stuff that you get free every month. So that does, in a sense, justify the nine ninety five a month or whatever it is. So there's mm-hmm. that, but then also you get like, for being a pro member, you get like some wild discounts on some stuff. So that can make it pretty good too. I mean, like I think Tomb Raider, the definitive edition is on sale for like two ninety nine right now, which mm-hmm. granted it's a big game from 2014 or whatever but nevertheless 299 is nothing to that's a good price for the game but mm-hmm. yeah it's a little weird in the way that they have it set up i was under the impression 2 years ago when they announced this what originally was called uh project yeti when project yeti was in the pipeline i understood that it was going to be like netflix for gaming and now i'm seeing that it's yeah. not that at all no, but not not in the slightest. There's probably so. some weird boardroom hockey going on there that uh, you're just gonna have to look into. But if I had to guess, yeah. Alphabet mm-hmm. is looking at just buying some studios that already know what they're doing. And yeah, I mean, they're just gonna be like, oh, this is Ubisoft, bump, like just like giant companies that they can just afford to do because they're a over half Google. a billion dollar company. Yeah, they're Alphabet, they're Google. When, they're... when your company is a commonly accepted verb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's crazy. Um, I'm interested to see what they, what we might think that they might be purchasing because I definitely think that's the route they're going to take. Um, but I guess we won't know until later. Uh, like I said previously, hopefully it's not anything super major, but knowing Google, it probably will be. Um, Google, much like me, doesn't tiptoe their way into anything. They just spend a couple, I'll spend a lot of money. And then if it doesn't work, they just stop. Um, So, yeah. Next up on the list, an article from Autosport, uh, which is not an article, a website I was planning on using anytime soon. Um, (laughs) Just like when article by Luke Smith. You're like, what is happening? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, article by Luke Smith, EA completes takeover of F1 video game developer Codemasters. Um, so this has been finalized. We had talked about this previously, but it's official. Um, EA now owns Codemasters and now EA is slowly monopolizing all of the various sports games on the market fairly quickly. Cause now they own all of the F1 games. They already do all the, um, 
Madden games. Um, the only ones they don't have are the the 2K games, the NBA 2K. Um, yeah, they they don't have. Okay, so they please, please please elaborate on which ones they do and don't own because I feel like I felt I felt like they owned more than I'm currently thinking of off the top of my head. Yeah, no. Um, I just wanted to see how long you could uh, drown before you <laughs> ask for a life preserver. I'll... <laughs> um, so EA is the producer of FIFA. They are the producer mm-hmm. of the NHL series. They are the producer of Madden. Um, they mm-hmm. are, of course, the producer for uh, a bunch of of you know like the F1 games all of this stuff. Uh they do produce um the NBA Live series which previously okay. used to do a much 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 bigger deal than uh 2K if you can imagine that world. It uh their last release was NBA Live 19. Um, mm-hmm. but they are t- really trying very hard to release a new game for um new consoles. So okay. NBA Live both twenty and twenty one was released. They've been um trying to uh, instead still support and release roster updates and stuff for NBA Live 19, which I do have to say I have a lot of respect for. They could have just left it, yeah. but they do want to retain what people they have. Uh, they do not also have anything to do with MLB. MLB, the show, is okay. um, Sony. Um, yeah. So, of course, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but mm. suffice to say, everybody who loves Codemasters games are terrified right now. Absolutely. They have every right to be. And it's really sad that they have that right to mm-hmm. be. Um, yeah. I- I've not seen one positive response to this in any comment section, as a part of any tweets, anything like that. All that it is is, for the love of God, please don't EA our games. Yeah. Um, Although I am hearing uh, that it will... um, They will maintain their independence as far as working within the EA platform and within the EA family. Like, it's not going to be like EA is going to come in and be like, there are some changes that are going to be made here. Like they want Codemasters to keep doing their thing. Uh, they just want to make money from it. But with that being said, I know you and I have both been in situations, even at just the jobs that we've worked where it's like, okay, I'm your new manager. Nothing's going to change. And then three months later, the logo's a different color somehow. And it's yeah. like, this is disc replay. What are <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I'm very worried about. There's a, unrelated. There's a local food place I really like going to that fell on hard times due to the pandemic. 
and they've recently changed management and the management has tried to make it very clear that like, Hey, we're not changing anything, blah, blah, blah. And then I've talked to a friend. He's like, Oh yeah, the guy who the management, the guy who runs that now runs like five different restaurants that pretty much ran them uh, complete, almost ran them under before he got them stabilized and like changed a bunch of stuff during that. And I was just like, Man, I just really liked their food, and now it's just like I'm. I'm just hoping that they don't change too much about that well, restaurant. Because so. when you have ownership over something, every once in a while, you're going to think of an idea that you think mm-hmm. is going to make that thing better, and yeah. that may be, hey, I whipped up this awesome new chicken seasoning, mm-hmm. and I think we should pivot to it. And you can do that because you're the owner. Yeah, but. In this case, that may be EA saying, have you guys ever heard of microtransactions? Do you guys want to make more money? Yeah, because F1 isn't this giant, humongous, well, it is overseas, but it's not this monumental thing like Madden is here in the States. Um, The microtransactions that we're going to see aren't going to, it's going to lose more people than it gains, right? And nobody's going to pick up F-121 because they're like, oh, that's cool. I like microtransactions. They're going to see it on the shelf, obviously, more often because EA is going to be advertising it more. But then, I don't know. It's Hopefully, they don't try and add too many microtransactions. But between you and me, it makes out of any of the games they've released so far, it makes the most sense in a car game because they can just release cosmetics for your car as microtransactions and like paint jobs and stickers and decals and all that yeah, stuff. And, you know, F1 in none of its forms is very Americanized. Like, F1 is not Americanized as a sport. F1 yeah. is, I mean, like, it's nowhere near what we experience. But with that being said, over K, uh, overseas, like in the UK, I. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking at a gamesindustry.biz article right now that says, now I'm just going to read you um, this headline because, oh my God, this will show you. F1 2020 overtakes The Last of Us Part 2 as the number one physical retail uh, game. Wow. The Last of Us Part 2 had three consecutive weeks at number one, and then Uh F1 2020 beat it. Wow. That's That's how big of a deal this game is over there, and they fear America, and they're correct. They, 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 They fear Americanizing of everything, and they're right. Yeah. Especially when it comes to these microtransactions. And mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how many of EA's great ideas get implemented. Yeah. Oh, man. Codemaster fans, I wish the best for you. I really do. But I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Just if they add microtransactions, just buy the base game. Don't buy the microtransactions. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, but <laughs> with that being, I, speaking of being what? scared of America, um, <laughs> oh God, yeah. Um, article on Polygon by Charlie Hall. Six days in Fallujah. Not trying to make a political commentary. Creator says, which 
Ha. Huh. He he goes on to say that he wants history to be remembered, but then is in the in the article is also saying that he doesn't want to make this a political commentary. Those aren't exclusive to one another. If you're trying to make sure that the American troops are remembered, you are making a political statement and you're trying to make a commentary on the situation around it. You can't have a historic retelling without it being political in some yeah. way. Especially whenever it's involved with a war that the Americans caused overseas in a place that they were not needing to be. There's a lot to this. A lot. And... I want to make a couple things clear first off. I make it in a huge effort in my life not to get involved in anything politically ever. Um, I just do not want to hear it. So mm-hmm. what I'm about to say is not coming from any place of political bias because I have no political bias. I have a lot, so it's probably best for you to say this then. Um, I also want to speak and say I really have no issues with the fact that this game is being made. Um, I wouldn't really have much of a, a problem playing it even I know a lot of people are going to have issues and they don't want to play it and I think that's fine but also I'm not in the kind of headspace ever where I want to police what art can and cannot be made at the end of the day games or art um so really no matter what happens here I'm not trying to dock the mere fact that this game exists. However, this gentleman said a lot of things and none of them can exist together. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of really, really bad wording. Mm -hmm. Um, Fun fact, if your statement involves politics... It's a political statement. Yes. And you're creating a piece of art that is meant to depict a side of the story. And the thing is, he can say all day long that he is working with, you know, survivors on both sides, both people who lived in Fallujah at the time are talking about their experiences. The soldiers are talking about their experiences. And so you can say you're trying to give a fair and balanced look. And even if we're making the assumption that that is exactly what they're trying to do and nothing more, they're just trying to provide as fair of a balanced look as possible. The issue with that is that you're only ever going to know what you know and you have to trust what people are saying to you and you put that into your art. In the same way that 
if you were publishing the memoirs of these soldiers and you have to put down what they say, what they say has to go in the game. Mm-hmm. If this is the art that you're trying to create. And we've already received multiple indications that what they're saying is probably not accurate. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, yeah, let's face it, Raven, if you were one of those soldiers and you were in that position, you probably wouldn't be too inclined to be like, <laughs> yeah, we committed so many war crimes. Yeah. So so that goes on later. Um, it, so in the article, they're, they're going, basically this is trying um, Peter T- Tomte, I believe, Tamte, uh, Peter, uh, is trying really hard to make sure that people think that this game is not political. Um, and so there is mentions of during the Iraq wars that American troops involved themselves with what are called shake and bake tactics, which is a combination of high explosive and white phosphorus rounds that quote flushed insurgents out from their hardened bunkers in order to destroy them. The problem is that white phosphor- white phosphorus is illegal. Um, it is it is against the accepted laws of war, which are a thing. Um, and then Peter goes on to say, quote, there are these things that divide us and including those really divisive things, I think, distracts people from the human stories that we can all identify with. I have two conf- concerns with including phosphorus as a weapon. Number one is that it's not part of the stories that these guys told us. So I don't have an authentic factual basis on which to tell that. That's the most important. Number two is I don't want sensational types of things to distract us from the parts of that experience. There is, there are records of people not that he's interviewing that white phosphorus was being used. That is a thing. And not including it because you don't want sensational types of things to distract from that experience. Meanwhile, you're going on record to say that you want this to be as accurate of a retelling as the Battle of Fallujah as possible is you cherry picking what experiences want to be shown in order to paint the United States in a better light than it deserves to be for what happened at the second Battle of Fallujah. I'm going to get very political these next couple of minutes, Casey. I apologize. Um... He later goes on to say, I don't think players are going to be confused about the cost of war. I just don't think that they're going to walk away from this experience and going, we need more war. I don't think that's something that the Marines and soldiers want as a message. I don't think that's something that the Iraqi civilians want as a message. I think people just do need to understand the human cost of war. And I don't know. It's just this game is not... uh, he, he mentioned at some point that you're never going to play as an insurgent and that's in the FAQ, that you will never play as an insurgent during the single-player campaign or in a multiplayer recreation of the actual event, which, interesting, they're adding multiplayer to this game. You would think that if they're trying to do a factual retelling, they really want to emphasize that it's a single-player experience for the retelling of history. Neither side of history is ever perfect, right? And I feel like the problem with making media around parts of history is that there's always going to be a bias that can't be avoided unless there are people from both sides that are working on it or you have a team that is extremely dedicated to it and it seems that right now peter is not dedicated to making sure that he is retelling this story in the exact limelight it needs to be yeah and it's 
So it's important to note, too, that the reason that he clarified you never play as an insurgent is because you do, for certain portions of the campaign, um, take control of a an unarmed Iraqi civilian who is a father trying to lead his family to safety and escape. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really interesting way to take it. I think, I think seeing that perspective is interesting. I just don't know how well that's going to actually end up conveying itself. Yeah. And obviously we'll have to see more about it as it comes, but I think the issue, the main issue here that I see is you take something like Modern Warfare, for instance. Mm -hmm. There have been several games that took place in the Middle East even while this was happening. Mm -hmm. And the difference was, oh, hey, this is a heightened version of that. This is... A completely fictional what if. Yeah. The issue here is that there is no, this is our interpretation. There is no, this is our what if. There is no, this is a fictional um, setting a fictional version of the events. The issue mm-hmm. is that you're trying to say, this is how it happened. And you are never going to be able to accurately tell that story. There are some things that are going to be lost to time. So then you can then say, well, this is the way that it was told to us from the people who are there. Okay, cool, but the people who told you all of this, who were there, are going to end up being cast in a negative light for this Hmm. because it's fairly obvious that They're trying to save their own butt here and protect their own butt, which, again, I don't even necessarily fault them for that. That's human nature. If I went around breaking the Geneva Convention, I probably wouldn't be, you know, putting it on a billboard. Exactly. Humans in their nature are inclined to make themselves the heroes of their own stories, and they're not going to go around saying that they did evil and messed up things. Is it necessarily their fault that they did it? No, they were probably just foot soldiers following orders, because that's what the army looks for, is people who are able to just follow orders. But so, so people aren't going to knowingly be like, oh yeah, I totally did that. Like, that's a thing that happened. Um, uh, and another quote here later, it goes on, they go on to talk about how there's a lot of people who are outraged for various reasons. Um, you know, lives were lost. Uh, Fallujah lost 60 of more than its, of more than its 200 historical structures. Tens of thousand people fled the city never to return. Community shattered forever. In response to all of this stuff, uh, Tom Tay says, almost all of the outrage I've heard are from people who were not in Fallujah, which is an awful start 
to addressing concerns from the people who are going to be buying your game. Uh, But he goes on. I think we live in a culture where we feel the responsibility to defend people, whether they want to be defended or not, on social media. And I am sure there are people who are in Fallujah who will be offended. But I will tell you that from my experience and conversations that I've had over 15 years on this project, nearly all want people to know what happened in Fallujah, whether you're an Iraqi civilian or you're a member of the coalition, either side. Which... This doesn't address any of the concerns. He's just like, yeah, we're going to piss people off. We don't care. We just want to tell the our version of the story, which is the right version. Like, this yeah. is just, it doesn't instill any sort of confidence at all. It doesn't instill, it's basically just like, if people are upset, that's your problem for being butthurt, LOL. This is what I read from that. I... I wasn't a super big fan whenever we talked about this the first time last week, but like reading more about the lead developers like thoughts on this are making me less and less inclined to actually even think about this game anytime. So, and here's where the issue comes in. I'm, I'm going to bring it back to some of the Assassin's Creed discussions that we've had. I weirdly, um, <laughs> okay, okay. I always have to, right? Um, right, right, right. Now I would like to, recognize and don't freak out on me because there's going to be a huge butt after this. So just just hang with me for a second. (laughs) I'm going to recognize here that they have taken on the task of telling a story that is very and extremely difficult to tell. And besides being difficult to tell even harder to get right. Yep. I'd like to talk about Assassin's Creed 3 for a second. Okay. I don't like Connor. And a lot of what yeah. we talked about was, hey, Connor's not the most likable character, but they faced a really uphill battle getting you to like Connor. And they did the best that they probably could with it. To Mitch... To which mm-hmm. my response is, no, and you know why, Raven? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have to write Connor. They could have. Yeah. They they didn't have to worry about whether or not the uh the freaking wilderness was too boring in Assassin's Creed because they could have gone to India or Russia and told a story there they didn't have to write connor they could have written a completely different character even in that same framework that was not connor that was a better character so now i get back to here i recognize and i really do respect the fact that you are having a terrible time with the fact that the story that you are trying to tell is so difficult to pin down that being said, mm-hmm. you don't have to tell this story. Yeah. You, this is not you're you're trying to construct a very difficult piece of art, but this is not the art that you needed to make necessarily. Nobody told you, "Hey, we want this specific art." If 
the news had come out and they said, hey, this used to be a very controversial game, but now it's taking place in a fictional place with all, all of this stuff. And it, But we've got this combat engine that we're really looking forward to people seeing yeah. that we wanted to build off of, but we didn't want to take any of the controversial elements because it's too difficult to tell that story. And uh, we knew that we would offend some people. I would be like, okay, awesome. I would like three of your game plays. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's happening here. What's happening is they're just digging deeper and deeper into a story, friends, that they do not need to tell. And that's my biggest issue with this game is that they are too far in now, but they had like a billion chances to pull back. They've had they've had literally over a decade to not decade make this of game, silence and they're still nothing and they're still trying to make it look i get it trying to make sure that the that the world knows about historical events is extremely important making a game where you are in the act of being part of the problem at this juncture is not the way to go about it it just isn't nobody wants to like people want to hear about it that's fine make a documentary it, inter, games should be an interactive form of media that you should use to escape problems or live through problems that are completely fictional. They shouldn't make you think about how the what actually happens in the world in the in the act of war. Yeah, and you know what the worst part is? This game, I guarantee you, is not going to properly convey that. They're going on about how this is going to be a great way to show what the true price of war is, and I almost guarantee that it's not going to be nearly as good as they're starting to say that it is. Yeah, um, because let's face it, they're doing this to sell games. They're doing this to try and either sell it to the people who are interested in war stuff. They're trying to sell it to the people who are interested in first person shooters and they're trying to interest people who are, you know, against the ha ha. I'm going to own you SJW buy a game that has politics, you know, um, and just like war or whatever. And it's like, that's fine. If you, that's what you want to make your market. That's totally okay. It doesn't make, it's okay that that's your market. It doesn't make it okay that you're making this game. In my opinion, this is, I don't think that this game should hit the public light. It really should just be something that we learn, not through the media in which we are participating in the battle. Um, yeah, that's just, I, and, I, that's just, you where know, it's worth noting that political slant aside, um, no matter what your thoughts on the entire quote unquote war on terror are Raven, close your eyes and count to 20. <laughs> no matter what your political views are, no matter what your thoughts on this war are, they are not doing a good job of handling this. Mm-hmm. No matter whether you're talking about contributing to whatever problem may or may not be there in the eyes of, of some, no matter whether you're talking about a war on terror, war on oil, no ma- aside from any political argument, this is being fumbled, and I think over the course of those six days, the one thing that we can all agree on is that a whole lot of lives were lost that didn't need to be lost. Mm-hmm. And how terribly they're fumbling the retelling of this story and how controversial they're making it yet again is the biggest disservice to all of those lives lost out of anything. I wholeheartedly agree. 
But with that being said, we're going to end on a bit of a sad note because that's the end of the articles that we have this week. Uh, Casey, do you have any parting thoughts for us? I'm in so much pain. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll end it here so you can uh, scream into a pillow and take some Advil or something. So, all right. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening and uh, bearing with us as we had to get pseudo-political, myself uh, fully political. Um, If you liked what you listened to, I promise we don't get this political all the time. Uh, So make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at MakingFunPod. Um, You can subscribe to your... Subscribe and download this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, He is Casey Johnson at Casey on Camera. Myself, I am Raven Stadmiller at Ravy underscore Baby. Um, Go find us wherever you want to find us. And until next time... Uh, Just do your best to be a better person.